Hi, I'm Breck. And I'm Sally. And we're two friends that wondered why it was so hard to make friends as we got older. Join us each week on Bask in Friendship as we explore friendship themes and tips on forging better bonds. We believe female friendships are going to save the world. Hi, everyone. This week, we're diving into different types of friends. Many people label their friendships starting at an early age. It usually begins with best friends, right? Like defining who is your best friend can be such a big and important relationship label. And as I've grown older and evolved to define my friendships by a term that seems more descriptive and a little bit more accurate, so calling them deep friendship or true friends, I have acquaintances, I have old friends, and I have deep, true friends. In today's episode, we're exploring how and why different types of friends matter and how we define these friendships. Breck, this is such an interesting topic because I found myself sometimes being surprised by how another person defines our friendship. So I have my own thought and then they have another thought. For example, I've been called a best friend when to me, the depth of that friendship in particular just wasn't 100% there. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just shows that some people have different definitions of these stages and labels. This reminds me of what contemporary psychologists define as the four different types of friends. Primarily, they define friends by the function. So you have acquaintances, casual friends, agentic friends, and true friends. And all of these were always familiar to me, except for agentic, which is a new word that I had to learn. And it means pragmatic friendships with a shared interest or goal. This specific type of friend is the one that's most likely to evolve into a deep friend, that next category of true friends. So luckily for us, we have a great example of agentic friendship with us today. Yay, we're going to dive right in. Um, Today is our first guest, which we're so excited about. Uh, We invited Julia to speak with us. Julia came into my life through our shared interest in sustainability, and then we found out history and history in amazing places, um, and really exploring all things life, eco-conscious living, startups, and making an impact. But we had that sustainability interest as a core. It's a lot. Julia, welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, we're so excited you're here. Honestly, as soon as Breck and I started chatting about new surprising friendships or just friendships of all different kinds, I thought of you because this has been such an interesting year and you have come out of it in my life. A little less than a year ago, we were connected via a mutual friend. As I recall, we had actually met in real life at an event in SF years earlier Um, but it wasn't abundantly clear to me. Do I have that right? Yes, that is completely accurate. It's pretty nuts to think, but we did. I think it was two years ago before we started chatting in San Francisco at a networking event that we met. Yeah. And then once our mutual friend reconnected us just under a year ago or so, you know, um, COVID had started to happen. We were all kind of locked down and, you know, thankfully that mutual friend was like, you guys might enjoy chatting. You should just talk about all things sustainability. And of course, in that first conversation, it was like, holy cow, like Julia has so much to say. And I have such a desire to hear what she has to say. And I think the feeling was mutual. 
Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. And it's funny because right after we first connected and had our call, another person mentioned, you have to meet this girl, Sally. I was like, well, you are right because another person said that as well. And we already chatted. And I remember our first conversation, you were telling me all about Parsnip, your business and your journey. And immediately I realized how our values and missions were completely aligned and how we both were heavily focused in trying to create a less negative impact in the world, which is really not rare to find, but to really be able to deep dive into thought and conversation right off the bat with that was special. So I knew it was something great from the start. Yeah. And I I think what was also just really interesting, and I know we might um, dig into this, but I had come from like food and sustainability, as we've mentioned in a prior podcast, Um, that was how Breck and I had initially met. Um, But you, Julia, had had come not from food. And so it was interesting to meet someone that had such passion and interest in eco-conscious living and sustainability and impact on the environment and how to make a better choice, but not with food. Right. My background is fashion from New York City. And it also transitioned into wanting to clean the streets. And I wanted to do that in New York. I ended up doing that in San Francisco. And so I pretty much married the two and found that there were so many brands that were impact driven and trying to make a difference with what their fabrics were or how they treated people, fair trade, organic, there's so many labels. And so I brought them together to create kind of one spot, just promoting these brands that were doing so good and we should really invest our dollars into there. And so that's where we started. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're these two like sides of a Venn diagram and like we had this overlap, which initiated great conversation, but like coming at it from two different places, I think made our conversations just incredibly rich. Um, I'm also reflecting on, I can't believe it's like almost been a year, but time flies when you have great friends, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. But um, from the beginning, you know, we had, we had just had calls. And I think that that has been like such a unique kind of, um, for me anyway, a unique take on how our friendship has evolved because it was always just about the conversation. What do you think? Has that been unique or rare for you? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, especially with dating, you jump right to text and it's uncomfortable to get on the phone because what are you going to talk about? And even with new friends too, but you and I really, I feel have stayed on schedule in the past year and every two weeks it's been religious. You'll reach out or I'll reach out and we'll realize we haven't chatted in a week or two and we fill up the whole hour. I feel we both a lot for that. And we talk the whole time and over the time it's gone from business ideas, bouncing them off of each other, but really has delved into how's your day? How's your day? And with that, we've shared little tidbits and become vulnerable with each other. And from my end, you've taken that with such grace and acceptance that I've shared more and shared more. And now that's brought us to a level where I've shared certain things with you that I haven't told many people or stories. And so it's definitely grown deeper over time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, again, it kind of makes me wonder, like there isn't one way to build or maintain or develop a friendship. Um, but had COVID not happened or had we not kind of been in separate little corners of the earth, but had been just like back at another networking event in SF, would we have had that same kind of ease and depth of conversation at a coffee date or, a, I don't know, a glass, getting together for a glass of wine? Like, would we have gotten there? 
you're completely right because it's something that we both touched on and realized that we have not had a drink during any of our conversations when normally you go out to a bar or a restaurant or coffee, but you have something, some distractions or you know, some, some other thing to focus your attention on people around you. And the fact that we didn't have that, and it was really just blinders, you and I conversation. It's, and we wouldn't have had that if it wasn't COVID probably, because life would have gotten more in the way. And who knows if we would have been able to keep on that schedule, but I really looked forward to it during this time when we're trapped in our houses. And yeah, I think the pandemic, the silver lining of it, you know, brought these religious calls into our life for sure. That would have been different pre pandemic. Yeah. It's, I, I think I agree with you. I'd like to think though, because I'm just like, so, um, connected to you now that like we could have gotten there had we stayed like both in SF and, um, had the opportunity to like reconnect again over a coffee date, like maybe we would have done it, but, I also think like the trappings of pre-COVID life, even in the same city, meant that there was there was pressure to meet up in person. So like we could have had a coffee date and maybe it worked really well. But if you had been like, hey, let's get on a call in two weeks and like reconnect, I would have been like, what? No, let's like go out for a drink or have a walk or, you know, go for a bike ride or something. And the logistics of that, especially in the Bay Area, might have prevented the regularity of what we got in the last year. And again, prevented deep, good conversation. Um, sure. and, I, I, and I wonder, I mean, just kind of thinking out loud now, does that change post-COVID? Like, is there going to be more flexible when a friend says, hey, let's hop on a Zoom call or, hey, I met you through a friend, but you live in Austin or you live in a completely different place, like let's develop a zoom friendship or an audio friendship. Like, is there more of an openness now? Right. I think uh, going to your first point that if it was in person, normal times, it would have been, I also hope, I think because we clicked, we would have stayed on it, but it probably would have been more spaced out like once a month if it was in person, because the travel time and making the time for it. And, and then your next point of, I think people are so zoomed out, but at the same time, they're so used to it now. And it's so much easier to figure out a Zoom link or whatever platform you use that I think it's much more easier to get people to jump on and do it and get on that bandwagon than definitely before COVID. Because before COVID, you had the excuse, I don't know how to use Zoom, but now you have no choice. You've had to use it for a workout class or something. So I I think it might be a bit awkward at first maybe, but I think once you get that rolling for sure, people should be able to hop on the phone. Yeah. And hopefully like people stay intentional towards continuing to like make friendships work regardless of if it's a coffee date or a zoom date again, kind of like we've had to, because I also like haven't traveled back to SF and you haven't traveled to Boston and like we're across the country. And I think in any other year, um, I would have been like back in SF and been like, Hey, let's have coffee. And you know, you, you would have been super into it, but I don't know if we would have like extended beyond that. I want to say we would have, but if COVID had never happened, I don't know if we would have been inspired to. Right. I think about people's like inherent nature. Like I think Sally is a phone person. Like <laughs> that doesn't seem like a jump that Sally's like, was all, like, you guys have like a phone relationship. Um, but I'm curious, like, Julia, are you are you like naturally a phone person? Are you like a texter? Like what's your like go-to communication style or, and is it different with Sally? And like, is that part of the magic? Like, cause it feels 
different? Or is it, you guys are both just two phone people who connected because of COVID and you thrived there. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't really thought about that. I would normally say I'm a texter, even though I do love being on the phone. But again, I personally, I feel comfortable only getting on the phone with somebody I already know will have stuff to talk about. So new friendships, it would have been, or new dating. Again, I feel it's so similar. It It's a little uncomfortable, but then once you get into but once you get into that groove, it is um, much easier to do the next time. So it's just kind of that scared jump. And for myself, once I get over that leap and I see that whoever it is, we have a constant banter, then I feel comfortable doing it more. So friends in my life that have been in my life for a long time, I have no problem calling them because I know we'll be able to chat. It's more just that initial hump. And then once that's crossed and you know you can or can't be on the phone, then, then I'm happy to hop on the phone more. I wonder, I feel like I, maybe I'm the only one who suffers. Like I, sometimes I have the, um, as much as I like being like, once we're going, I think it's great. Like the momentum is there. Like, like to your point, you're, you hit your stride and you're like, this is so fun. We should do this all the time. But I definitely have the moments where someone calls me out of the blue and I'm like, Oh no. Like definitely. <laughs> a spontaneous call seems almost crazy now. Like, unless it's good, like, I feel like I call, like I'll text my friends to be like on Tuesday at 7 PM. Can I call you? Mm-hmm. And like, if someone just out of the sky calls me, it seems insane, which I mean, I think about how silly that statement is, but no, not at all. I'm a very organized planner. I like to have my day set, know what I'm getting into. And if somebody calls out of the blue, I have to see what mood I'm in. I'm probably like, no, I don't feel like it. Or if we haven't talked in a long time, then I'll make myself pick up. But I'm so much better at being prepped and just knowing two o'clock we're talking or whatever it is. I think I think that also gets to just like the intentionality around friendships. I feel like I've used the word intention like way too much in this podcast, <laughs> but um, we are, you know, we are working towards creating a space that's really intentional towards deep friendships. And I think when people call out of the blue, you're kind of like, I don't have the energy or the mind space or just like the space in my life in amongst like work and kids and husband and boyfriend and girlfriend to like actually give you an intentional good conversation. And that's why the scheduling I think is important because it's like, I'm going to reserve some of that energy for that hour because I can't wait to catch up and hear from you. And I want to share um, and being, having that like disrupted in the flow of your day. I, I, I also wish I could be like that casual, but with good friends, like I, I don't necessarily want the interruption. I think back in high school, maybe I did. Cause it was like cool to have friends that just like interrupted and you were just like that close to them. But nowadays, like I want it to be real and long lasting and deep. And I think you just have to carve out space for that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it is energy and you want to give them your good energy. And when you have your day blocked out, you know, that's what you're divvying up your energy for. And you know, it's not going to be a five minute call or 20 minute. It'll probably be an hour, hour and a half, especially if you haven't talked to each other in a long time. So yeah, you have to be ready for that mentally. And again, you want to be there. You want to be present. So if you have it blocked off on your day, then you know some of your energy will go to that instead of when you're exhausted at the end of the day. I think there's yeah. like a good point there about like that you're both making about being a respectful and conscientious friend. Like 
you're both saying like, I respect my friend's time that I want to be a hundred percent there with them. And like with the energy I want to bring, it reminds me of, I can't remember exactly where I read it, but someone was talking about before you talk to a friend and you just drop, you know, your day on them, like some heavy subject it's, and I, I do this with another close friend of mine. I'm like, are you in the space where you can like hear something a little heavy? Because that's good. Yeah. And, and we made this point of like, are you ready to hear something? Like, <laughs> can you handle it? Cause maybe today you can't handle me sharing some terrible story about my mother or some very deep, heavy thing. Maybe today you're at the, only at the level where you're like your energy can be like, can we talk about like Netflix? And that's fine. But I think that's the same point of like being respectful of your friends and the friendship and the relationship and the energy level. I think that's actually such a good point that I'm going to start doing that. I feel I do it a little bit, but just to make sure, because if it is something heavy, I probably just jump into it sometimes, but, and it's also about boundaries, which I'm reading a lot about right now. It's just respecting other people's and setting your own limits. And I, I, that's a really good, respectful thing to ask someone because maybe they had a bad day and they can't hear another bad thing. I can't take any credit for it, but it was very helpful. (laughs) So if it helps, just carry it forward. Pay forward. I I also wonder, um, you know, back to like the thought of audio or, you know, calls versus video versus text versus email, right? There's so many new, like relatively new, like in the last 10 to 20 years, communication mechanisms that I wonder this desire, again, in our thirties, as we mature, this desire to be respectful of our deep friends or our true friends comes from like also the acknowledgement of that there are other channels that I can like share the quick and easy stuff. Like I can text Julia or Breck or a dozen other people, random things that tell them I'm thinking of you. I think you might enjoy this without having to like call them in the middle of the day and be like, Hey, I would just want to like chat with you for four minutes in the midst of all the things you have going on. So I wonder if we're just also like evolving with communication channels to like thoughtfully bucket what we care about in different places so that we're respectful, but also kind of meeting the communication style with the content that we have. Like Breck, you and your serious conversation is probably best reserved for audio maybe video, but like, that isn't an email. Right. And like the, Hey, Julie, I just wanted to chat with you about this new shoe company that, and I wanted to like, see if you thought of, if you knew anything about it, like that is not a call. Like that's not how our, our culture has evolved in the last 10 to 20 years. We now have texting for that. I think that's such a good point. And it could be either done very well and compartmentalized and eloquently, or it can be very messy. And if somebody doesn't think about that and isn't conscious of it, then they can just shoot out different notes or on maybe all the different platforms and call you. Did you get this? I mean, who knows how far that could go? And that's happened to me. And I was like, I saw it. I, you don't have to call me to make sure it was delivered too. <laughs> but yeah, I think that we are definitely evolving for sure. Especially during the pandemic, I was talking to someone earlier about that, how we think we're close to the end, but a year from now, I think so much would have changed still. I think it's just still evolving and it's picking up and noticing where we're evolving and how to act accordingly. It's so interesting. I feel like, I mean, we could keep going down this, this like rabbit hole of communication and how much it's changed and evolved. But I think, I mean, part of me is like, it's, it's the Moore's law, right? Like 
how much it's changed from like Yahoo Instant Messenger took us to Zoom. And we're Zoom, it took everybody, what, six months to figure that out and adapt. And it became these companies who were like, we are in office only to we're remote and we don't know if we're ever going back. I mean, that shift is huge. And I do wonder how much of like that will slide back. And if it's been long enough, right? Like if it was three months, like I think people would slide back to behavior, but it's been this, like a year is a pretty long time. It's pretty significant. Yeah. And I just wonder how much we're going to like slide back into old things or if we'll all look back in 10 years and with our hologram phones and be like, that was cute. <laughs> I feel Sally and I chatted about this on one of our many calls about how this whole pandemic talking in that regard has accelerated us five years ahead for sure than we were planning to be. So yeah. And the fact that it's now a year and still going, I think it'll be much harder to slide back into the old ways. This also made me realize how infrequent I meet someone new and like jump into a deep conversation. And so I think this is really like so fun and novel for me because you know you're not talking to people at the grocery store you're not talking to people at the post office I'm not meeting people at meetups I'm like oh I got to drop into a pre-existing friendship of two people who are like lovely and already have banter um and so it's for me this has been really pleasant and so I'm curious having the two of you here who have a shared topic of interest and I am very much like a I'm sustainably curious um I think I do like I think I do like what would be like a, a millennial minimum where it's like certain millennials, like we are baseline, like we compost, we recycle. I'm, I'm conscious. Like I'm a big, I'm trying to get better about the, the clothes I buy. Like I have, I love girlfriend collective because I love like the recycled materials. Um, but you two are much further along in this journey. So I was wondering if I could ask you to share how could I be a better steward of the planet? Do you have any tips for myself and anybody listening to this podcast? I would love to hear. We're definitely your girls. For sure. <laughs> so ask away, but Sally, who should start? Okay, so I've got two quick ones. Um, the first is just eat less meat, make a big pot of beans, use amazing spices, onions, herbs, eat often for a week. Beans are like four or five bucks. It's like so good for both your wallet and the planet. I mean, I don't need to go into the detail there. Just try to eat less meat, Um, eat one less meal a week, and then go to two less meals a week. Just keep going from there. I also like the idea of I only eat meat when I eat out. Um, So I'm very conscious of the restaurants that I support. And that means it's like such a good treat. Um, and I don't have to worry about like gross cutting boards or like taking out the trash right away. It's been just such a relief. Um, we've been at that for, I guess, almost a decade now. We, we only eat meat out. I don't, I don't cook meat in. Um, and that's been a game changer for my health, the planet. Yeah. Um, my second one is um, this fantastic book called How to Be a Conscious Eater. It's on Amazon by Sophie Egan. It's actually one of my favorite books came out uh, last year. Um, but it's this amazing how to resource guide that really distills everything. There's a chapter on eating less meat. There is a chapter on the impact of aluminum cans on the planet. And it was actually reading that chapter 
that was the biggest impact that book had on me. I completely stopped drinking my, like my single cans of sparkling water per day. I'd have one a day. And I thought that was like such a cool thing. And that book changed that buying habit for me instantaneously. So there's nuggets like that throughout the entire book. She called, she covers everything from food to fashion, to um, laundry, to, you know, water, um, everything you need. It's a great resource guide for moms and dads. Um, because it also talks a little bit about like how you're raising your children and like the impact of the choices you make for them. Um, I just could not recommend that book more because that's going to like expand the amount of tips and resources I can give you. That's incredible. I want to hear more about the Croix and that whole journey. Cause I used to do that in office. Now that you said that I would have one a day and I thought I was cool too with the sparkling water. <laughs> yep. yep. So Sally's focus and heart is in food and I'm more focused on packaging and fashion, supporting impact driven brands of any kind. There's so many out there from fashion to home goods and also just investing your dollars in people who are making a difference because I think what the public doesn't realize going that extra mile costs them more money and energy, just personal energy. So Let's support them and invest our dollars in those companies. But to give two easy tips, uh, Breck, I wish the public was at the minimal base of recycling and composting, but sadly being in LA currently, people do not compost here, or I shouldn't say that. It's not as easy to do as in San Francisco, for example. You have to drive somewhere to drop off the compost. And, and I just uh, wish that was the minimum because that would make my heart so happy. But to give two very easy tips, I think, which I'm sure you've heard, but is to bring a to-go mug when you go to get coffee. It's so simple. Ask every barista at each different cafe. Some people don't know what you're talking about. You might have to explain it. Some people are already on board and they might give you a quarter or 50 cents off of the coffee. So that adds up and saves money. And the other simple one is bringing a reusable tote. But this isn't just in grocery store shopping, which you know, you're saving on plastic bags or brown paper bags, but also every time I get takeout food, like Sally said, trying to support local restaurants, which really need our help, I always say, or write in the little notes, depending how you're ordering, please no utensils and no bag needed. And I'll go and they're confused because I've ordered maybe two, three things, then they don't understand. Are you going to carry this? And then I pull out the bag and they see, and sometimes it doesn't work at all, but the little times that it does and it adds up, it makes a big difference. So I think those are two really easy tips. Okay. I have one other question because I'm a huge proponent of like you vote with your dollars. Right. And so where, where you shop makes a difference. Do you guys have any thoughts or resources about, is there a site or is there something um, that makes it easier for you to figure out more conscious brands? Like where, where do I go to like be an informed consumer? Like what is a good place to begin? Well, I could start with one that Sally sent me, so I might take yours. <laughs> but Sally, the other day, talking about pinging just ideas or things that interest me, she's so good at it. And I always save them because I want to give them time to read them. And the last one you sent me was Fascination. And it is a great marketplace, one of the best I've seen. And it just, you know, lists again, across the board, different categories, and they've already vetted them. They've already scoped it out. Amazon is also getting better with that as well. They have uh, an eco site where they vetted with 17 or 19 uh, certificates or, you know, tags that you have to have. So, or the last one I'll say for fashion is good on you. 
I think is fantastic. They make it so simple, which people who are not in this world, I think, do not want to read in-depth articles about this or much info at all. So I love when it's simple and good on you. Just says if the company is good, bad, okay. And then if you want to read more, you can. So I think that's a great one. Yeah, I was going to mention fascination, thefascination.com. Um, there's also a new site called, or a new um, company called Purpose Banking, purposebanking.com. They're still in wait list, but um, they're trying to make it really easy to reward you for shopping at socially responsible um, places. So they're trying to kind of help you solve that at the credit card level, which is just so cool and exciting. So um, yeah, we're seeing more and more of this and we're definitely your gals. Um, we'll put some more um, ideas in the show notes. Um Thank you. Cause I, it's that point of, I want to, I want to do well, but I'm also like, sometimes at my bandwidth. Right. So I'm like, what is the, the path of least resistance to be, to try to be a good steward of the the earth and be a good. You're totally not alone. That's what everyone says. There's so much information. What's real, what's not, what's greenwashing, what's real. So you're not alone in feeling that. Thank you. Well, thank you. Those are so like, I feel like, you know, for such a big, big issue. Those are very actionable takeaways where I feel like I can do that like later today. Um, well, thank you so much, Julia, for coming on today. Thank Thanks for, for having me. This was so much fun just to talk about my good friend over there. <laughs> it's so great. Um, if you guys would like to follow Julia, you can find her at go underscore emerald green, or you can find more information in our show notes. Until next time, this is Bask in Friendship. Everyone have a great week. Thank you. Bye.